Red Sox get swept by the Pirates in their second series of the 2023 season. You are locked on Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to welcome you back into the Locked On Red Sox podcast. And thank you so much for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. I'm your host, Jake Inazuski, and here, as always, with my co-host, Nessus Lauren Willand. And I can't believe I'm saying these words, but the Boston Red Sox were just swept by the Pittsburgh Pirates. And if you listen to Ethan and I's preview episode with the Locked On Pirates crossover, we both agreed that we thought that the Red Sox were going to win this series 2-1. to one. But, you know, they, they lost the first game 7-6, to six, and then the next two games were practically identical in score of 4-1. to one, And I'm still kind of in disbelief. You know, it's... <sighs> It's weird because they started off, you know, they had the strong wins against the Orioles. You have the momentum going into this, the series with the Pirates, and you think things are going to be okay. And then it just wasn't after the first game. I mean, the first game, you're like, oh, okay, like, all right, that we still could win the series. And then you go into games two and three, and it's just what happened to the offense? What happened to the defense even? There was some stupid, sloppy baseball in Wednesday's game on both sides between the Red Sox and the Pirates. But I was just – you're watching this like I don't want to say oh I can't believe they got swept but I I'm surprised they didn't win the series but is now it you know it we're what five six games into the season they're still not gonna panic or anything but it begs the question but what what Red Sox team are we gonna get are we gonna get the one against the Orioles or are we gonna get a, get get the one against the Pirates and if that's if it's the latter oh boy we're we're gonna have a hard time staying positive this season. Yeah, and it kind of seemed like the Orioles, you know, sort of, I don't know, gave the Red Sox the bad defense Gatorade. I don't know what it was, <laughs> but, like, they practically seemed, like, identical to what we saw in the Orioles series who were just throwing the ball all over the place, you know, making defensive errors left and right. But, you know, I, I don't want to, like, throw myself under the bus, but, you know, maybe I should have knocked on wood when I said <laughs> there was going to be roller coaster in waves in terms of like the offensive output, because, you know, I mentioned, I'm like, there's going to be at least one or two games, you know, at, at some point where, you know, the, the offense just completely falls flat and, you know, they, they only get a few hits here or there, you know, one runner gets shut out. Didn't expect that it was going to happen, you know, two games after, you know, I said that. And it's, it's tough to really sort of, you know, specifically, uh, judge this series on one specific unit not doing well. You know, at the end of the day, Alex Cora, you know, pretty much said the Pirates kicked our butt. We haven't played good baseball starting the season. But, you know, the nice thing is, at least outside of the Crawford start, Nick Pavetta and Corey Kluber looked really good. Yeah, Nick Pavetta, I feel like he turned in a fine start. I think I, I, think I categorized it as uh, good, not great. But right. it was... I think he did his job. You had that stupid pass ball that was nothing to do with him, with with Reese McGuire. That should have ended the inning, but nothing you can do there. And then Corey Kluber looked much better on Wednesday than he did in his first uh, his opening day start. So there's definitely positives to take away. But when I'm looking, you know, out, when I'm looking at the pitching, I was like, Pavetta and Klu well Kluber, yes, but Pavetta shouldn't be somebody who's get, turning in one of the best starts the first time through the rotation. Yeah. And 
mean, it's early and we've talked out, we're not putting much stock into the first, the first two starts or so with starters, but I thought Kluber, I thought Kluber did his job. And I mean, they were, they were working really fast until that disastrous seventh inning on Wednesday. But yeah, I think that it's, it's a positive to see Pavetta come out strong in his first start and then Kluber kind of bounce back. I, I, I mean, it's weird saying bounce back in a loss, but you look at what he did and I mean, the offense just wasn't there the last two games. It's you, you score what almost 30 runs in the first two, three, three games, nine times three, 27. And mm-hmm. then, and then it just shuts down. It's, it's, so, I mean, baseball's so weird because that's this is exactly what can happen. All these runs and all of a sudden it's like no one knows how to swing a bat. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's just, you know, the nature of, you know, 162. You never know, you know, what team you're going to get in a certain stretch. You know, it all sort of depends on, uh, you know, the pitching matchup, how guys show up that day. And it's always funny because, you know, since, you know, some of my friends know that I know baseball, you know, they always want like betting advice. And they're like, you know, let's look at like who's on the mound. That would dictate if it's a win or a loss. I'm like, not always. It's baseball. You never know how a pitcher's really going to show up. And, you know, Nick Pavetta, I mean, looking at, you know, a number five starter, if, if you were somebody who's a casual Red Sox fan or barely even, you know, watched the Red Sox and are from a different state, you look at sort of his line of five innings, you know, only allowing three hits, one earned run, you know, three runs that were unearned, and then uh, walking three guys and striking out six, you'd say that's a pretty, pretty productive start. And, you know, it's, We've talked about this. You you sort of know what you're going to get from Nick Pavetta, but at the same time, you don't. You know, he, he's going to give you some of these starts here or there, and then some of them he's going to blow up. But, you know, the other guy that you got to point to as well is Josh Winkowski. I, I mean, he's looked like a completely different pitcher ever since spring training. Went three innings, only allowing two hits, striking out three and allowing one earned run. And even Cora mentioned it. Um, forget exactly what show he was on but he, he was he had a radio interview and he said you know the one that's really intriguing us right now is Winkowski he said you know he did an amazing job yesterday uh did, did a good job early against Baltimore and with his stuff ticking up to 96 97 pretty incredible you know a, a slider that fast yeah and I know a lot of people were talking about well you know him being with this team is he going to be the odd man out once this team gets healthy but He's making a case. I don't know if he heard all the the negative things said around him. I don't know if he's on social media or anything like that, but he's looked good. He's striking out batters. He's limiting his walks. And he looks like he's very comfortable on the mound. And I think that's obviously very important, but he's definitely somebody who could be an X factor for this team, whether that's, you know, it's going to be too little too late by, and he has like this fantastic season. You don't want that to go to waste, but he could be all of a sudden. He could be somebody who gets you, you know, through the sixth and seventh inning. Maybe he, he gave you three innings the other day. So not like oh, you know, a little bit longer than a, a relief pitcher, but not like not super duper long relief guy. But mm-hmm. he's proving uh, through the the minimal starts we've seen, small sample size this year. But through those small sample sizes, he has proven he can be trusted. And, you know, one thing that we not only saw in the second game, but also the third game, and this was very prevalent during the Orioles series, is the amount of stolen bases that the Red Sox have allowed. Oh, my uh, God. Alex Spear, Alex Spear tweeted, he said, they've given up 14 consecutive steals to open the year. The first team to do that throughout the first six games since the 1987 Expos. You know you know it's bad when, when the last time somebody did it, the team's not even around. Yeah, I wrote an article about the stolen bases on Wednesday just because it's it's a glaring issue. And yes, not it's not 
all the time that those those base runners turn into runs. But you're giving up that opportunity. You're giving them the opportunity to put their runners in scoring position. And then all of a sudden, maybe a single gets that runner home now because they stole second base or they stole third base. And it's something that, yes, it, it's an adjustment, that pitch clock, but you have to adjust. You could not have runners running all over you. You cannot give up those free bases and put runners in scoring position. You just can't because the opponents, I mean, first two teams here have figured out how to run on the run on the Red Sox and hit the Red Sox. Yeah. Something's got to change and oh, I, yeah. I get it's early, but I mean, w- when you haven't done it since the team in 1987, like something has to change. And, you know, I, I think that this, it, you can't point to, oh, it's a Connor Wong issue. It's a Reese McGuire issue, but they're the only two guys who you can really blame in the, in this aspect. And, you know, m- maybe it's, it's a thing where I'm Bloom's looking at it, like, shoot, may- maybe Christian Vasquez's defense was maybe a little bit undervalued when we, when we, you know, either traded him during the trade deadline or offered him a contract during free agency. And now Imagine they're really that. starting to <laughs> see it, I guess. They definitely are. And I know that, I know you said not to, like, not place blame on one on one catcher, but I mean they're running all over Reese McGuire. He can't throw yeah. anyone out, and it's it's you know he threw out forty two percent of the runners last year while he was with the Red Sox, and after he got traded to Boston. So it's not you know it's not it's it's, it's I don't want to say it's you know super uncommon, but it's just a little weird. I don't know if it's just the I mean Pittsburgh is very fast. The Orioles are very fast. There's a lot of speed there. But you have to get those runners out and you have to make sure that you are protecting the plate, protecting the, the bases in front of you. But I mean, they have opponents so far have really figured out how to run on Reese McGuire and, you know, Ryan Brazier too, with his windup. And they realized that the Orioles realized that the second he gets into his windup, you go because he's not coming out of that windup for a, a few seconds and you are golden. And especially with the day off on, on Friday, I, I think, you know, the ca- the guy the catching room needs to sit down with Jason Veritek, look at the tape oh and God. figure it out. Yes, one hundred percent. Something definitely needs to happen because you can't look at these two catchers and say, "Oh yeah, this is this is it. This is good enough." Because good enough is not getting you no. anywhere. And you need serviceable catchers. No, you don't need a catcher to hit 20, 30 bombs, but you need them to be able to throw runners out here and there. And it's early, yes, but the the early stats do not bode well for Reese McGuire. And he's just, I just don't know what's going on there. And he's, he's got to figure it out. You've got to throw those runners out. And the other factor too, that I wanted to point out before we move off this topic is uh, especially with, you know, how it can affect a pitcher and the way that he yeah. approaches an up at bat. You, you know, when you really think about it, I think you made a great point when, you know, a guy steals a base, it doesn't always correlate to them scoring runs, but at the same time, a guy on first base rather than second base, the pitcher now has to focus on, is he going to try and steal third? And then when they continuously do it now, when any runners are on the pitcher's more focused on, is the guy going to run on me rather than focusing on the batter and actually throwing strikes to get out. Right. That's, I mean, it changes, you said it changes their whole dynamic and who knows if they're having a really good game that could just throw a wrench into it. If they're having a bad game, that's going to throw a bigger wrench into it. And it's all about the approach when it comes to pitching. Yes. But the last thing that, especially Red Sox pitching, the last thing they need is to worry about the runner trying to advance to third or trying to pick off the runner. That's the last thing that these pitchers need. They need to focus on just keep throwing strikes, get the batter out, don't worry about the runner. But it's hard not to when all they do is just steal. And yeah, we, we did see, uh, you know, the the first weekend this year compared to last weekend. I'm pretty sure Rob Bradford put it out. And I even looked at the numbers and they're staggering. The the 
70 stolen bases compared compared to I think it was like 39, 49 last season. And you know, obviously, you know, this this probably isn't only a Red Sox issue, but you know, as I already said, you know, w- when you're starting to uh, you know, be compared to a team in 1987, something needs to be fixed. But you know, as we continue to you know, see this Red Sox team, uh, you know, try and gain their footing again after a relatively productive Orioles series. Uh, it, it, we need to continue to try and up the confidence of fans to want to bet on this team to ultimately win against the Tigers in this next series. Uh, but if you want to, if you want to bet on this next series, the best place to do that is over on FanDuel, and especially with the NBA playoffs also almost here, now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers. Customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet does not win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from money line to point scores and threes drained. And the other thing that I love about FanDuel, you can also do player props, you know, Christian Royo hit, Masataka Yoshida hit. Also, if you're feeling even though, you know, we're speaking down a little bit of the Red Sox right now, if you're feeling super duper confident, Red Sox World Series, Red Sox playoffs, FanDuel is the place to do that. Plus, they also allow you to combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. So we spoke about uh tuesday's game but now let's talk about the circus that was wednesday's game and it really started out with the pirates pitcher mitch keller one hitting the red Sox until Cassis hit a double in the seventh inning and in my mind i think this was more of keller being on his game rather than the red Sox bats being cold with, with what he was able to do with his pinpoint control was unbelievable i looked at it in the fifth inning he was throwing 77 of his 77% of his pitches for strikes. And I think it was the Christian Arroyo struck strikeout. It was on the outer part of the zone. You know, some could say it's a borderline strike, but I mean, when you're getting it right on the corner of the strike zone, it's tough to hit anybody. He looked so good. He was in control. He commanded the strike zone. He was just on point. Everything about what he was doing on Wednesday was almost perfect. And he just, he knew what pitchers to throw. He was working efficiently. He was working so fast and he was going, you know, one, two, three through these innings. He was working. And if he had runners on, if there was ever that, I mean, it never seemed like runners were on, but he found a way to get out of every single inning. And very quickly, he was up and down through the order. One, two, three, just a really, really good performance from him. Bad for the Red Sox, but very good for the Pirates. I agree. And, you know, another guy who also did well on the mound, and we already spoke about it a tiny bit, but Corey Kluber, you know, especially after what we saw on opening day, you know, he's not, you know, your your general front of the line starter, but he is in this case. He's the number one starter in the Red Sox rotation. So you want him to you know, start the rotation off when it flips over from five to one to be as effective as he can. It was nice to see him go, you know, five innings, only allowing three hits, one earned run, and striking out two batters. And, you know, his control looked a lot better. And that's one thing that he spoke about post-game. You know, I, I was able to be a lot more competitive with my pitches rather than I was against the Orioles on opening day. And you look at the walks, too, only one walk. So that's that's a, a good thing to, to look at, too, after his walk-heavy opening day. But we talked about this, too, how maybe Nick Pavetta could be the one to set the tone going into 
the series finale and Kluber can kind of build off that. And then that goes into the next starter and then the next starter. So hopefully we kind of see that domino effect. Now it'd be good if the bats woke up, but you look at Kluber's second start. And if you just do number to number comparisons, it was much better. You liked what you saw. I think that he gave you reason to be optimistic about his next start and that he can be reliable. I just, I just wish the offense could figure it out because I don't want this to be like, you know, a Jacob DeGrom thing or Rick Porcello when he was here. I felt like Rick Porcello could never get run support. And you just hate to see a, a solid start, a quality start, like the one Kluber had on Wednesday, go to waste because the bats can't do anything. And yes, Keller was incredible, but somehow, some way, you have to find a way to get that ball in play. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it doesn't help when, you know, the guys behind you are, are doing sloppy defense. Oh, and, my you know, God. We saw that multiple times uh, in, in Wednesday's game. And Corey, you know, spoke about it. He said, you, you know, when you make bad decisions, you put yourself in a bad spot. And, you know, the one that was really glaring uh, is when, you, you know, Yoshida – he should have thrown to second base, you know, tried to throw to third, you know, Devers ended up allowing the ball to, you know, trickle home, then went past Reese McGuire. And then we see Cruz end up being able to advance to third base. And that's just one where, where you're sort of just kind of confused. And, you know, Cora, when speaking about it, he's like, yeah, you know, we should have thrown to second, but he wouldn't have got, got him out anyways, but it would have avoided a mess like we saw in allowing the runners to advance. There were so many things in that sequence that could have been avoided to make it not so disastrous. And Yoshida, you know, he's still getting used to Major League Baseball. And also, I mean, maybe it was just a panic throw. But Devers, like, what are you doing just standing there, letting it go yeah. through you? And then and then he's not at third. And then he's very lucky that he didn't blow out his knee, that he that Cruz didn't get hurt. I mean, that Cruz was being tended to for a couple of minutes. I was like, oh, God, like, this could be, this could be much worse than it looks. But I'm glad that... It wasn't at the end of the day, but Devers was shaking off his hand a little bit and his arm. But with the, the off day Friday, maybe he'll just get some extra rest and it's maybe it's just sore. But that was such a messy play. We were all in the, the office watching the game and we're just like, what is going on? What what happened? And that seventh inning, it was just a mess. I was just they, they kept showing the play. And I was like, I just don't understand how this unraveled so fast and I'm like this is either going to be foreshadowing for what the rest of the season entails or they're going to learn from it and be like oh we're a bunch of idiots we're never doing that again like that we can't afford to make those kinds of mistakes and it's just I think I think I use disastrous on my Twitter I'm like it's the only way to describe it like my brother texts me he's like what the hell is going on and I'm like I don't know baseball baseball's weird and it shouldn't be this kind of weird and, you know, we saw a lot last year uh, how defense really hurt the team and especially, you know, allowing you know, stupid runs that could have been avoided. You know, obviously the, the first one that comes to mind, at least last season, was Duran with the inside the park grand slam. But, <laughs> you know, you could also semi point. I'm, I'm trying to, like, find any any excuse, maybe not the best word, but like any any reasoning for you know why we could see some of these uh, defensive mistakes Maybe it's just, you know, these players, you know, coming back from the WBC only had a few days to really get back into the groove of things and get used to playing together on the same field in spring training. You know, you didn't really have a long stretch of everybody playing consistently together on on the field, uh, especially leading up to the season. So so maybe, you know, once you start to get more comfortable with each other, you you start to get a a little bit more in a groove and, uh, you, you know, the mental errors or, you know, the defensive errors start to minimize a little bit more. But. I think that this is one thing, and, you know, Cora brought it up plenty in his post-game press conference. Like, they got to clean this up quick. 
Yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's the keyword there is quick because this isn't something where they're still winning games and they're just they're getting by. They're not getting by. And this is something that 100% needs to be turned around as quickly as possible. And as quickly as possible, we're hoping Thursday and then Saturday and Sunday. So, I mean, it's I could sit here and say it's an easy fix, but I'm not on the field. I'm not the one you know out there every day. But there has to be something where you you sit down and you're like, okay, just mentally prepare, kind of mentally go through what went wrong and just fix it, make it right. Because these, I mean, you said it, like these runs can be avoided and they shouldn't be losing games because they don't know how to play basic baseball and losing the sight of the fundamentals of the game. And I, th- I think one thing, just thinking about it, sort of how we reacted to the Orioles series sort of might've been an alarm for this series of the, you know, Thank God we got by, you know, <laughs> right. you know one, one one run win. You know, obviously a win's a win, but at the same time, could have been foreshadowing what could be coming, not only with the Pirates series, hopefully not with the Tigers series. But oh I, I think especially when you get those close wins, you know, yes, it's a sigh of relief, but at the same time, you'd, ra- you'd rather have a convincing win like we saw the 9-5 to five against the Orioles rather than, you know, a 10-9, to nine, you know right. what I mean? And so hopefully they're able to – you know, get more of those convincing wins uh, down the line, you know, against the Tigers in the next series. Uh, But before we speak about, uh, you know, the injury updates with Whitlock and Bayo and more into the Tigers series, Lauren wants to talk to you about Ultimate Pro Baseball GM. This has been one of my favorite games for the last couple of weeks since I've played it. And I'm somebody who does not like playing games on their phone. I'm more of just like either a console kind of person or on my laptop. But I love playing this game on my phone. And I always thought I could be some sort of good baseball GM. And it turns out I, I'm just not, it's not that easy. And if you've had the same thought, maybe you're like, Hey, I kind of want to run a baseball team, then pro baseball GM, you have to download it. You can download it right in the app store, use the QR code right there. This game allows you to manage every strategic aspect of a baseball franchise. So you play through seasons, you hopefully lead your franchise and your fans to glory. I didn't, but maybe you can, and you try to build a historic dynasty And you are responsible for quite literally everything. So you hire the coaches and the staff. You have to manage the team finances. You scout and you draft players, which means you also have to manage those difficult personalities. Injuries happen and you navigate your franchise through free agency, through trades, through all the ups and downs of a baseball season. All this in a challenging and very realistic game world. Ultimate Baseball GM is completely free and also playable offline. So you don't even need Wi-Fi. You can play on the go as you want when you want to. We're all having a lot of fun uh, locked on here playing this game. Many of us are not very good. So if you want to take advantage of that and play one of the hosts here, take advantage of it, download it, because you will probably beat us. And Locked On Red Sox listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check that out. Download the game. Just visit probaseballgm.com or scan that QR code if you are watching on YouTube. Or look it up in any of the app stores. That's probaseballgm.com. Ultimate Baseball GM, start your dynasty today. So even though some of these starts uh, from these pitchers in the Red Sox rotation have sort of caused you to hold your breath hoping it goes okay, luckily reinforcements are coming. Uh, Garrett Whitlock. Alex Cora said that there's a good chance uh, he can make his season debut on Tuesday. Looked really good uh, in his Woo Sox rehab assignment. Brian Bayo also threw a five-inning, 72-pitch uh, extended spring training game in Fort Myers on Wednesday. Ended up striking out eight batters. 
definitely looked good from what we saw, obviously, in, in his final spring training start. Uh, but luckily, guys are starting to come back. And I, I think the biggest question mark is where are the shuffling going to happen in the rotation? You know, what are we really going to see from these guys early on? And I think at least when these guys make their first few starts, got to give it a little bit of a grain of salt, need to get their footing right. They do. And I, I, I'm encouraged by what I've seen. And I think that's, that's a good start. You don't want, you know, you don't want Brian Bayo or Garrett Whitlock getting lit up. And I think, I think it was one of our commenters. I think it was our, our loyal listener, Johnny, who said that Whitlock and Bayo have to be that one, two punch. And I'm like, yeah. that's terrifying because of the, the people that they have on this roster who probably should be that one, two punch, but aren't. And that's putting a lot. Not, I don't want to say it's putting a lot of pressure on them, but they, they can be those players Mm-hmm. And if they can be, that changes the entire rotation. Derek and I have been talking for since the offseason how this team truly needs an ace and they don't have one. Bayo certainly could be one. I don't know if this year will be the year, but they have a lot riding on them and they have the chance to, like I just said, put this rotation or to completely have this rotation do a 180. Because if you get solid production from the both of them as starters, I will let go of any Garrett Whitlock to the bullpen talk. I will let that narrative go. I will let that go from my brain if he can be a solid starter. And he needs to be right now. I, I, the Red Sox need help in this starting rotation. There's a, it's a log jam regardless. It'll be very interesting to see how Cora handles this. But I'm excited to see them get back, especially with how, how productive they've been in their rehab starts. And I think, you know, the, the easy answer for this is, you know, you – Whitlock replaces Hauk, Bayo replaces Cutter Crawford. Right. The big thing that I was just thinking about is, you know, where does Sale go? Are you going to keep Sale at number two if oh, he yeah. goes out I against the ti- if he goes out against the Tigers and allows another eight runs? I, I mean, I think you got to think about it. And, and you know, I, I understand the pride aspect, but I think he would even tell you, you know, if if he ends up, you know, doing crap uh, throughout the next few games, I, I think you got to start evaluating sort of. Uh, you know, the amount of pressure that you're putting on the guy to be that number two starter. And, and you know, may, maybe it's the type of situation where you put him up against the right lineup, but you don't want to put yourself in that situation either. And, you know, another guy who's also coming back as well as uh, James Paxton ended up throwing three innings in Fort Myers and uh, Corey ended up saying looking really good, good velo. He went up to 95. And so apparently he's going to stay there for the rest of the week. He said, we'll see where he pitches next. But, you know, that that's another big question mark, you know, We'll speak more about this, you know, in the, in the future, you know, depending on when Bay, where where Bayo and Whitlock and, and how they end up doing in the rotation and where James Paxton fits in this is another big question mark. But, you know, starting to look at Chris Sale starting against the Tigers, you know, with me, I, I loved what he said about, you know, taking ownership. But like it sort of reminds me tiny bit going into football of like cam newton you know when when he when he wasn't playing up to par with the patriots you know yes i love you saying that you're not playing well i love you saying that you're going to do better next game and play better next game that's the thing where i love that chris sale holds himself accountable and i love that he does not make excuses but like you said like how many more times can he say that until he gets on the right track and only he can fix that. And I know that Chris Sale is very hard on himself and the, the holding himself accountable is something that's, that is very important, but there still needs to be something here where he needs to produce. And listen, he hasn't pitched since last summer. He's probably pretty rusty. He's also getting older and the injuries he dealt with, you know, there, he blew off his pinky. He broke his wrist. He had the Tommy John a couple years ago. 
he needs to completely heal from everything. And if it's like two, three, four starts where he's still a little rusty, I'm okay with that. Yeah. But he needs to – no one's asking him to be 2018 Chris Sale. They're just asking him to be a serviceable Chris Sale. And in his first start, he wasn't. But I'm, I'm really excited to see how he tries to bounce back. And I'm excited to see Paxton and kind of where what his role will be. Will, will he even have a role? Is he going to is he going to be serviceable? He looks good and he looks like he's recovering very well from everything last year. And with Sale, I mean, he just he's got to go out and pitch well. It's it's that simple. And it's easy for us to sit here and say that. And now he just needs to do that against the Tigers. And I I hope he can. I want to see him do well because he he should be a very important part to this rotation and we know that there's a good pitcher there he does have nasty stuff it's just he needs to find it and he's going to be a little rusty and that's okay but he just can't be like that all season i think the key for him is is just getting his his slider back back in action how how, how it usually is I, i mean that's that's really the pitch that makes him the dominant starter. You know, the rest of the ones are, are just complimentary. And if that one's off, you know, then, then you know, the rest of his pitches, you know, we're, we're going to see go all over the place out on the field for hits and runs and every, everything else. And, you know, I, I'm not – I don't have the expectation in my mind that he is going to do what we saw Corey Kluber do on Wednesday, you know, do a complete 180 and, and you know, look much, much better. All, all I'm hoping for is if Chris Sale allows – three runs rather than seven that's all i'm just a gradual progression like that's all i care about and right. you know i i agree with you i i think having the mindset of you know, this isn't going to be 2018 chris sale is a great one and just hoping for a gradual progression and, and that's all i guess you can really ask for and uh, i i think you know yes we've talked about this that, that the red sox didn't uh put around him you know different pitchers that would sort of be able to carry him if he, he wasn't giving you what right. you really expected and maybe the Red Sox had unrealistic expectations for what Chris Sale was going to give you but in my mind you kind of got to expect this if the guy hasn't really done too much since 2019 but at the same time you know that's the front office's deal and all we do is just watch the game and react to it and talk about it but praying that uh, we see a much different and much better uh, Chris Sale. Uh, but we did ask you uh, over on Twitter uh, what your thoughts were uh, on the Red Sox series against the Pirates. Uh, and I wanted to start off, Red Sox watcher, bad, period. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Great great sum- yep. summarization. Uh, and then we got Tiger Smith. He said, uh, brain is mush after that series. Don't have any thoughts. Same. Uh, well, we had thoughts, but I feel, <laughs> the, I feel the brain is mush thing. Feel that. And then James Davenport, he said Kluber, one of the bright spots of the series. And, yep. you know, we spoke about it. I, th- I think I think that's the best way to look at it. You know, a, definitely a plus in terms of, you know, what Pavetta, but also Kluber gave you as well. Um, James Gardner said flawed fundamentals. Yeah, definitely got to fix those. Definitely got to clean that up. And then uh, we got Ken Matias. He said just sad uh, that they should have easily been swept uh, or won two out of three. I agree with you, but could have, should have, would have. That's all that, that you know, I guess you can think, but. On can't go Detroit. in the past. Can't can't change anything. Exactly. On to Detroit, and we're going to keep you posted about everything that's happening surrounding the Boston Red Sox five days a week. So if you have not yet, make sure to subscribe over on YouTube or whatever audio platform that you listen to. And also, kind of exciting, the next episode that's going to be coming out, Alex Rodriguez. He's going to be talking about uh, his favorite Red Sox Yankees rivalry memories. Same with uh, the the Yankees play-by-play announcer, Michael Kay. He's also on that episode as well. 
And then right after that, Bobby Delbeck, uh, he's coming on the podcast. We're going to hear from him and his mindset going into his season with the Woo Sox. But with all that, also make sure to follow us over on Twitter. It's LO underscore Red Sox. If you want to be part of some of those responses that I just spoke out of, you know, listeners and, and fans giving us their opinions and us reacting to it, make sure to follow us over there. Also follow myself. It's at Jake Iggy and also Lauren. La la la. Three laws, Lauren, with four R's. We want to thank you so much, as always, for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. Now make your second listen and check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy strategies. Find Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and over on YouTube. I've been listening, trying to figure out ways to you know get ahead of my competition, waiver wire, you know, free agents, everything like that. They do a great job of updating you everything that's been happening thus far in fantasy baseball. And also make sure uh, to check out all the other Locked On podcasts that are on the network. They've been doing a great job throughout opening week uh, to update all you know, their listeners and, and fans of their specific teams. And if you want to, you know, get a little bit of preview for, for the Tigers and what they've been doing, make sure to go over and check out Locked On Tigers. But as always, we hope everybody has a great rest of their day. And we'll end it how we always end it. Keep the faith. And boy, do we need this right now. Let's go, Sox. Peace.